follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. My esteemed co-host, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, is with us and she'll join us in just a moment. And, you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. We always want to bring you the best in current leadership topics, interviews with proven leaders, and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. We know now we have about uh, 95,000 downloads a month, not only for this current show, but Kathy and I have been doing this, you know, back to 2007, beginning of 2008. So if you're a new listener, we have a large archive of shows with all the you know, top leaders that you know about that you can go and, and access some of the best uh, information. Kathy, welcome to the show. Hey, Relly. Good to hear from you. I wasn't sure if you knew who you were doing your show with today. I was a little jealous, thinking maybe there's somebody else I don't know about. <laughs> No, no, no. You're the you're the one. Well, thank you, thank you. I feel much better now. Yeah. I'm actually really, really excited that Dr. Laura Sicola is going to be joining us today, and uh, I'll tell you in a little, um, in a little while, how we met. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. And, I didn't and know why that. I think she's so important to our audience and what they're going to learn. But before we do that, as you know. I really like to make sure that everybody who is listening to our show, whether they're our regular listeners, and I understand we are getting about 95,000 downloads per show, and we're now in, what, 27 countries and 126 cities, and I probably have all that data wrong because I'm not good with numbers, but (laughs) the bottom line is we sure do have a lot of wonderful listeners, and we want to make them very happy. But we also want them to know who we are and why we do this. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to brag about you for a couple of seconds. Oh, yeah, go sure. No <laughs> Good, thank you. That. I'm going to brag a little extra hard today. Um, for those of you who don't know, my esteemed co-host, Dr. Relly Nadler, he is a master-level certified executive coach. He's a psychologist, a corporate leadership and team trainer. And Dr. Nadler brings his legendary expertise in emotional intelligence to all of his keynotes, consulting, coaching and his development programs. Dr. Nadler's newest top-ranked book, Leading with Emotional Intelligence, provides hundreds of tools and strategies to develop star performers across all industries. His highly respected work is the focus of countless business journals, blogs, and online news features, and his programs are a mainstay at leading Fortune 500 companies. 
You can visit him at truenorthleadership.com for free downloads to access your best performance through emotional intelligence and also at our mutual site, Excel Institute. And, um, of course, many of you have already downloaded his fabulous iApp, The Leadership Keys, and uh, we'll be talking about that in one of our future shows and hope you'll stay tuned to listen to more about Dr. Nadler. Great. Well, thank you, Kathy. That's always good to hear. Let me let me uh, introduce you to our audience, and then we'll we'll come back and uh, give high claim to Dr. Laura Sacola about what she's going to talk about. But so, for our listeners, uh, you know, Kathy's got that that sweet voice there, and hopefully that you're smiling like I am when you, you think about her. But Dr. Kathy Greenberg coaches uh, leading executives and entire companies on her proven happiness equals profit work-life strategies. She has been named the first lady of happiness for ABC TV, and Dr. Greenberg has authored multiple popular books on the science of happiness, including What Happy Companies Know, her latest number one bestseller, What Happy Working Mothers Know, and Kathy touches millions as a much-in-demand speaker, TV, radio, and media personality. And I've been with uh, Kathy on numerous occasions. She definitely is... uh, a happiness guru and is able to, you know, put things in perspective regardless of what may be swirling around. Kathy has a uh, her executive consultancy called H2C, um, which stands for Happy Companies, Healthy People. She actively supports the research on happiness and positive psychology, and she's also on the ABC show The Morning Blend. And Kathy has a, a free iApp, Your Happiness Now, that you can see videos of of Kathy and her pictures and, and some excerpts from some of her books. So that's your happiness now, and you'd go to the uh, iApp store and get that. So, Kathy, great to, to have you. This has been fun for us to do this for just so many years. And let me just say a word about uh, Dr. Laura here, Dr. Laura Sokola. Dr. Laura Sokola has spent more than a decade coaching, lecturing, researching, and publishing on cognition, pronunciation, culture, the voice, and related uh, effects on learning. Her primary goal is to help develop their, this is for executives, their vocal executive presence. She calls VEP, vocal executive presence, establishing themselves as the leaders whose voice are heard and messages are accurately received while making authentic connections with their audience. So this is a very pertinent just given that our audience is worldwide. You mentioned, I think, 127 cities, Kathy, that I think some of these podcasts have been downloaded in. And so this is also helpful for folks where maybe English is their second language. Dr. Laura Sokola has given presentations on the intersection of pronunciation, cognition, culture, and learning, and done trainings from Kyoto to Cairo, California to Connecticut. Her clients include Fortune 500 companies as well as not-for-profit women's leadership, and international education organizations. She's on the faculty at the Graduate School of Education at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia, and she lectures on second language acquisition theory, pedagogy, and oversees some of the field work where uh, teaching English to speakers of other language, the program they have there at U of P. She speaks English, Spanish, Japanese, and has studied Arabic and Italian. And her website, if you want more information for uh, Dr. Laura Sokola, is www.vocalimpactproductions.com. 
vocalimpactproductions.com, vocalimpactproductions.com. And maybe, uh, Kathy, you could say, how do you, you know, how did you meet Dr. Laura here? And we can Absolutely. Take it um, this was one of those fabulous, serendipitous meetings. Um, we are both part of a brand-new executive program for women called Half the Sky. And this program, uh, which you can look for online at www.halftheskyleadership.com, is um, a, a pretty fantastic, I, I want to say, <laughs> outreach by a wonderful woman uh, executive by the name of Grace Killalea. And Grace Killalea is one of those people who wants to help as many women as she can in the time that she has on this place known as Earth. And somehow, Laura and I were fortunate enough to be on her faculty. And we crossed paths um, as speakers at the event most recently um, at her June program. And this was really an, really an insightful opportunity for me to learn how people speak and how they can perceive themselves as speaking and how those things are so different and why for women in particular, although this applies to men and all uh, generations as well, why it's so important for women to have a very distinct presence through their voice and their communication. And she's going to wow you with some of these insights, which are pretty easy to grasp, but they're very complex if you look underneath the brain activity and the neuroscience and obviously the physical use of your vocal cords and lungs and how emotion and emotional intelligence plays out in that relationship to voice and communication. So it's really a pleasure to have Laura with us today. And uh, Laura, I'm assuming you're there on the line? Yes, I am. Terrific. So we're going to just uh, get going here. And one of the one of the big questions that Raleigh and I um, always like to ask is to find out um, perhaps who have been the people in your life who've been thought leaders for you or the most influential for you, and then we'll jump right in to what is executive presence and and what does that mean for everybody who's listening today. That sounds great. Uh, well, again, to both of you, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show today. This is really exciting, and I'm so glad to have the opportunity to share these ideas and share the, the experience and the, the lessons that I've been learning over the years uh, with you and with your audience. So um, as far as the, the most influential people for me, there, there's really been a handful in the last few years who have shown me the, the path of where the research and where all of the study comes into play, not only for academic purposes, but really seeing how much of a real-world application and value there is to this kind of work. Um, Originally, you know, I finished my doctorate uh, about five or six years ago, and it was all about voice and pronunciation and learning and cognitive processing and uh, and culture. And I met someone uh, very serendipitously, much as I met you, uh, Chris Kane, who at the time was working with the... uh, Vice President for Government Programs at IBM, and he and I were talking, and he said, do you think you could put a program together for me 
uh, for my worldwide leadership team on culture and learning and language and its effects in business globally now. And so that was a fantastic first opportunity for me into the world of entrepreneurship and into seeing where people really did value the underlying work. And so he was quite the catalyst, and he's now gone on his own to start a company called Mercator 21, which is also a global consulting firm. Um, but then since then, in, in developing business, there, Grace Killalay, as you mentioned, you know, where you and I met, has been also a great uh, influence in recognizing where women in particular have the need for this kind of executive presence and where the work I'm doing in voice and in in speaking is can apply to the concept of leadership for women much more focused than I had originally been looking. Um, and really, as much as she's a controversial figure, I think her underlying premises are, are great. Uh, Sheryl Sandberg and her book with Lean In and that whole concept, when I read it, I thought to myself how it's not just about your, your choice of what to say and your choice of behavior, but your ability to lean in vocally when you do take that step, literally or figuratively, to lean into a discussion, into an opportunity, you have to sound like you mean it and sound like you belong there. You have to vocally lean in. And so uh, that was something that has really stuck with me for the last, I guess, what, six months or so since her book came out. Um, But what's been interesting for me is one of the earliest lessons that I learned as a professional was right after college, uh, which I'm not going to throw myself under the bus by telling you exactly how long ago that was, but um, when I first graduated, uh, I decided to become a teacher, and I was getting ready to go to Los Angeles. I had grown up in a very um, average New Jersey suburb and lived on the East Coast most of my life, and I moved to California to teach in the inner cities uh, in South Central Los Angeles. And my father had been a teacher of middle school for almost 40 years at the time, and my biggest concern was respect. You know, how would I get the kids to respect me and not run all over me? And I asked him one day how to make that happen, because he always seemed to have it together every time I visited his school. And he said to me something that I don't think I really understood at the time, but now, you know, closing in on a couple of decades later, it's, it's resonated more and more in how my current work, ironically, which is that he said to me, Laura, it's not enough to demand respect. You have to command it. Hmm. And that distinction between demanding and commanding respect is something that has really taken time to evolve in in my understanding, and it's become a real linchpin of my work in vocal executive presence. Your your, your business card can give you a title, but you have to show that you are there. You have to command that room. Do you you know what I mean? Laura, yep, I'm I'm breathing in to jump in here because, number one, um, it is something that's very important for people to understand that carrying a business card that has your title on it doesn't necessarily give you the power to address others um, in a way that you think is going to engage them. And we'll talk about the distinctions between power motivations and emotional intelligence and communication when we come back from this break. So don't go away. Stay tuned in to tune up your emotional intelligence and your happiness right here on Leadership Development News. We'll be right back. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 Let Kathy Greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work. Did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness, you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50% to 350%. At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the happiness equals profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, whatheavyworkingmothersknow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at h2cleadership.com. That's h2cleadership.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Star performers. We're now talking with Dr. Laura Sicola, and she can help you um, with your executive presence. We'll get into that. But before the break, uh, Laura, we were talking about what you had learned from your, your dad, the difference between demand and command respect. And maybe you can just kind of break down when you talk to groups, when you talk about commanding respect. What does that look like? Well, the, the idea of commanding respect is very much in line with the concept of executive presence on the whole, that, you know, when you break down, there's been a few studies, and leadership research in general has been trying for a long time to really operationalize what does that mean, what does it look like, how do you measure it, and a lot of it has to do with things like leading by example, 
being willing to make the hard decisions and stick by them, see them through, et cetera. But the executive presence is sort of a combination of being able to walk the walk, talk the talk, and look the part altogether. And in the end, are you credible when you do it? You know, is there something about you that makes people know that you mean business? Uh, and not in a threatening sense, but that you're for real. You know, it's interesting because the concept of credibility is so important in leadership, in that ability to command a room. When, when uh, people are evaluating your overall credibility through your speech, there's, there's studies out there that show that about 38% of that evaluation is based on the tonality of your voice. And that's not to say that the other 62% is based on the words that you use. Uh, On the contrary, that's about 7%. And the other 55 is more the the, the nonverbal pieces, the way you gesture, the way you look, other pieces. But it's 38% is based on your voice. And when we talk about tonality, that's sort of the highs and the lows and the the way you use that range. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm... Petite. I walk in a room. I'm just over five feet tall. Nobody's afraid I'm going to take their lunch money. <laughs> it's, it's not that kind of presence. But mm-hmm. I need to be able to walk in there and stand next to a guy who's six foot four and 240, and you know they're going to look at him and assume he's the boss by his size if he's dressed well and looks confident. So when I walk in and I have the floor, there needs to be something in the way that I present, in the way I look, in the way I sound, in the way the package comes across that lets people know that I'm his boss or that we're at least equal or whatever the position is, and there shouldn't be any doubt regardless of how, some, how big somebody is physically of sorts. Does that make sense? If that makes perfect sense. I guess what's going through my head is, you know, having been a, a partner to two of the world's largest consulting firms where I was the boss of people who fit the description that you just shared. It's interesting how, because I knew I was the boss and I needed to give them the opportunity to, to do what you described as walk the walk and talk the talk and gain their credibility in front of our clients, um, often I would actually be um, powerfully present mm-hmm. but not vocally um, obstructive. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. So so explain, can you explain to me why perhaps I did that? Because maybe because I was confident, um, because I didn't have to worry about my position, the client knew who I was. So so if I am answering my own question, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, You're making my job easy. Yeah, there, there you go. Um, maybe you could talk about as, as we get into this conversation, Laura, what is executive presence? Obviously, I felt it. I felt I had it, and I was trying to establish it for these young men and women around me. And how can leadership presence really make a defining difference in establishing uh, a business person or, or a coach or anybody who's a thought leader as that leader? Sure. Uh, well, you know, you're... Vocal executive presence or your VEP is your hallmark of do you even sound like a leader? You know, as a leader, you can treat your people well 
you can make the tough decisions. Uh, but the same way that it's hard to get people to take you seriously and trust you if you don't look like a leader, you know, if you're all wrinkled, if you're in sweats, if your hair's not combed, whatever it happens to be, it's just as hard to persuade them that you are that leader who they need to follow and to take seriously if you don't sound like it. You, you dress the role with your choice of clothes, but you dress your message in your voice in the same way. And it makes every bit as much of an impact. Uh, you know, for example, if I, I can say the same phrase in two different ways and have it mean something very different or have you respond with a very different feeling internally. If I say, for example, way to go closing that deal last week, as opposed to way to go closing that deal last week. Oh, wow. What do you I, hear? Nelly, did you hear that? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's a lot more. The first one, a lot more enthusiasm, commitment, sounded more genuine. The second one just sounded more, you know, perfunctory. And this is what I love about Laura's work, because if you can imagine, those of you in the audience, being in a room full of women, very powerful executive women who are up and coming in organizations around our nation, who are hearing these distinctions, and some of them, while they get it, or got it, didn't hear the importance of the distinction until they could make the connection. And you see, Relly, for you and I, it's such a part of how we work right. with our client base. Um, what I think gets taken for granted, uh, Laura, in a lot of the workplaces where all of us um, exist and, and continue to work and, and, and be a part of our um, industries and our communities, um, you know, in, in the workplace, we don't know just how important that is. I would love for you to use more of those examples because they're so powerful. Sure. Um, here, for example, if I say to you, come by at two, I've got a lot of things I want to talk to you about, as opposed to um, come by at two o'clock. I've got a lot of things I want to talk to you about. Uh-huh. I don't know if I'm showing up. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Didn't sound so so positive there. Or maybe it was something I did wrong that you wanted to talk to me about. Right. right. But well, one of the things, Laura, that you know, that both Kathy and I are interested in, and then what's great is that that you're on top of the kind of the current research is just how fast someone makes an impression. You know, and that's what you're kind of picking up on or alluding to, just in the voice. That there's a part that's almost kind of non-cognitive that's picking up something uh, about that. When you talk about credibility, you know, um, you know, what's some of the things that, that you've heard about? You know, how fast someone can try to uh, or make an assessment about the person they're listening to. Well, it's interesting. If you speak to image consultants, they'll tell you that you have seven seconds upon walking into a room to make your first impression because that's how long it takes people to size you up visually. Seven they're gonna, Yep, okay. they're going to decide whether they think you're intelligent, whether you're nice, whether there's someone they want to talk to, et cetera. To me, my response to them is I think that's assuming you're in person. Right? right. Because if you are, then for me, it's the next seven seconds that really count because that's when you open your mouth. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're going to either confirm their suspicions or contradict them. Right, by the way that you speak. Um, and the voice has both cognitive and affective or emotional influence on the listener. You know, when you, when you think about some famous people's voices and how you love to listen to them or mm -hmm. can't stand to listen to them, you know, James Earl Jones, 
Oprah Winfrey, you know, what great voices they have. What beaut- you know, they could read the phone book, and I would sit there and listen to it from A to Z. Uh, then you think of other, uh, other celebrities like Gilbert Gottfried or Fran Drescher, who are fabulous actors, but I yeah. would not <laughs> want to listen to them for, for a long period of time. Well, Gilbert Gottfried's made his career of having an irritating voice. Exactly, and but that's it. It's the concept that it's irritating. So in certain roles at certain times, he's the only person who could fit that mold. But you probably don't want to buy insurance from him. You probably don't want him to be the funeral director that your family has to work uh-huh. with, right? It's just there's nothing soothing about it. And if you know that your clients in that moment, your audience, needs something soothing, needs something reassuring, needs something authoritative, then he's going to have to work pretty hard to adapt in a way to take that irritatingness out of his voice, out of his presentation. Mm -hmm. And we all can do that. That's the thing. To an extent, we're all born with the voices that we have. I will never sound like him, but I will never sound like James Earl Jones either. But I can do a lot to sound more like either one of them and to have those concepts, have those, those personality features come out. Right. Let me just go back to one thing you, you mentioned, because that, re, that research about the, uh, you know, the, the verbal 7% and the 38% tonality, 58% for, um, you know, the physical posture mm-hmm. and all that, because that's, that's been around, I don't know, since that, that study, I think the 60s yep. or the 70s. Yep. Um, what would you say, and I'm sure you get this question now, let's say for us, people being on the phone, or a lot of people cross-cultural that are on the phone where they don't have the visual, is there any other kind of research then that ups the sense of tonality? Because that's really all all you really have, because you're you're missing, well, you got the words, but you're missing the whole 55% of visual. Absolutely, and that's really an important distinction. You know, I don't have the the numbers breaking down, like a replication of that study in different media, so to speak, but obviously if if so much is based on the visual, you know, more than half, uh, then if you're taking the visual out of it, you know, yeah. what are you left with? Yeah. Inevitably, if it's over the telephone or Internet radio like we're doing right now, people are ultimately judging you, I would say, almost completely yeah. on the sound of your voice and whether or not you sound like you know what you're talking about. You know, your numbers can be all correct, but if there's just something about you that people don't like in the sound of your voice and the yeah. way you come across, if you don't sound like you even believe what you're saying because of the way that you're, that you're intoning your phrases, then people are going to just turn the dial. Well, that's good. Well, thank you uh, for that. You know, I, and I know for the people listening to us and everything else, um, as far as the teleconferences, that's so important. So how would you define that, you know, that what you're calling, um, you know, executive presence? The vocal executive presence. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, like I mentioned, it's really the, the ability to adapt your voice to, to recognize who your audience is and what they need to hear in you in order to be open to hearing the message that you need to deliver. You know, it's, there are ways that you can present material in a manner that resonates with them and opens them up to hearing it, to processing it, and to accepting it. And this is something that's going to differ by situation, by culture, by context, by audience, and this is really where your uh, emotional intelligence comes into play. You know, you have to understand the tone of a situation. 
of a context and then be able to adapt your vocal presence in a way that is suitable and that meets their immediate needs. You know, as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about so many times that when I'm not in the presence of the people I'm speaking to, like mm-hmm. now on the radio show, sure. and we're doing webinars. I mean, you want to talk about, you know, vocal executive presence. When we do a webinar, it is so important, any of us, and really I'd love you to chime in, to really understand the importance of not only sounding like an expert, but being approachable. How many of us have been on a webinar with a person we know is good at what they do? They've written books on it. They're obviously well-published in the area. They're well-known. They're thought leaders. And yet they come across like, don't ask me any questions because I'm not interested. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That ever happened to you, Riley? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think people that we've interviewed – you, and I have a couple of mine I'll share offline with you that, you know, you just know that it's just forced or pressured. And I think, Laura, that's what you're saying. You kind of hear it in their voice. Yeah. Uh, I'll, let me just say one more thing, and then we'll go to a break. You know, getting trained as a psychologist, um, your voice has helped so- you work with me for many years. <laughs> <laughs> my best my best client. <laughs> um, but just certain people's voice. And I just know because I've had to go through, you know, counseling and therapy as part of my training. And every once in a while, I'd find somebody and their voice, I I felt like a little child. I could open up. I could talk to them forever. In my case, it was usually more of a woman than a man. But it was really their voice quality that was so trusting um, that I said, wow, I just want to tell them everything. Yeah. Yep. See, isn't it amazing what the voice can do? And it could be... You know, whether or not you can see her, whether or not she looks like she also has a kind face, et cetera, but there's something about the sound that just coaxes yeah. information out of you that way. Well, and you, and you have some of that, so hopefully our listeners can hear that. We're going to go to our next break, but then, Laura, when we come back, we want to get into, I know we have a lot of questions that are, that are help our audience just specifically around some of the tips that you have. Absolutely. Sounds great. All right. This is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network let kathy greenberg teach you and your team how to harness the power of happiness to generate even greater success and satisfaction at work did you know by applying coaching and the new science of happiness you can improve your return on people anywhere from 50 percent to 350 percent At H2C, we believe in both a return on people, that's ROP, as much as return on investment, or ROI. Kathy Greenberg, New York Times bestselling author of What Happy Working Mothers Know and internationally acclaimed What Happy Companies Know, is the leading global expert on coaching combined with the new science of happiness and originator of the Happiness Equals Profits business formula. Kathy's company, H2C, Happy Companies, Healthy People, provides practical knowledge for individuals and entire companies to maximize their potential in as little as one day. 
Kathy is available for one-to-one executive coaching, group programs, and as an electrifying conference speaker. Catch Kathy Greenberg at leading conferences and as a spokesperson for Cancer Treatment Centers of America. For free tips and downloads, visit Kathy's award-winning book site, WhatHappyWorkingMothersKnow.com. Or for distinctive learning, practical solutions, and proven results for your business, visit Kathy Greenberg at H2CLeadership.com. That's H2CLeadership.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We are having an engaging conversation with Dr. Laura Sakola. And I want to thank you so much, um, Laura, for making time for us today because this is a really important discussion to have. We've been talking about the vocal executive presence, and, uh, and, and Dr. Sakola is somebody who specializes in this area. And um, one of the questions um, that I have for you um, actually hits me personally. Um, it's, it's what are some of the skills individuals should focus on to establish their VEP or their vocal executive presence? Uh, because I, I want to share a quick um, story, and then maybe you can apply some of the tips um, that you'd like to share with us on sure. this, this focus of individual need, because it will give the audience some, some reference. I have a brother who is younger than I am, but he's very well established in his business for over 20 years. He's been on HGTV. Uh, He has a very thriving design business, and I love him dearly. But if you've ever seen Jeff on Bravo, I'll leave it at that, who is the interior designer that comes in and basically redoes people's homes with Jennifer, uh, that'll give you some indication about what kind of style I'm talking about. Um, Very demanding. With his clients, um, he could be incredibly soft-spoken and helpful and gentle and kind and nurturing. With the contractors, um, total opposite. Now, one day, he got a phone call from one of his clients who said that she couldn't work with him directly, and it really hurt him. Because what she was basically saying was she couldn't handle the interaction with him. And he, he really suffered for months trying to figure out what it was that was irritating. Now, obviously, he worked with his client successfully by email, um, through his assistants, and through the contractors. Um, but he really he suffered as a result of that um, that conversation, and I'm, I'm wondering if, if there is anything in there that you can um, discern that might have been the issue, because he's one of those people that also has that, sometimes that sing-songy voice. Yes. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I absolutely do. Um, that's something that has become, for me, a, a plague across the United States in the last probably 10 to 20 years. Did you say a plague? A plague, yes. A plague. <laughs> 
a vocal plague. Um, it's just becoming more and more pervasive, and it's something that is uh, it's gender-blind, it is age-blind, it is race and class-blind. Uh, it's referred to in a variety of ways. It can be called up-speak or up-talk, and uh, on a more scientific level, it's referred to as high-rise terminal. The idea being that when you're explaining something or telling a story, with each phrase that comes out of your mouth, you constantly end it in an upsweep on your voice like this, like you're asking a lot of questions or constantly seeking affirmation with the implied, you know, Is right? That like kind of legally blonde? Uh, something like that. It should be <coughs> illegally. Uh, <laughs> But, yes, that's exactly what it is. And it's Mean Girls, I think of. <laughs> it very much harkens back to the Valley Girl image of the 80s, uh, totally, you know, right? Um, mm. But it's something where while the young women or young girls are the ones who are pegged with it, that's where the stereotype is, it is really something that is pervasive. I hear it in newscasters. I hear it in uh, it, people on DIY networks, I watched two men in their early 30s with flannels and boots and pool belts installing a chimney liner describing the situation using that kind of, that kind of constant up-talk. And it's something that, to me, is the, the new version of monotony, as opposed to, if you remember Ferris Bueller's Day Off and the Ben Stein's character, right, the, the teacher who would just take attendance and everything was monotone, Bueller and just putting everybody to sleep. Uh -huh. uh, this version of monotone is where it's so persistently, even in its slow to rise, slow to rise, slow to rise, rising again, that it, it actually has the effect on the listener where it inhibits their ability to focus on what's important. And it's because we, when you're listening, number one, on the... On the emotional side or the affective side, like you said, it's just annoying. It's sing-songy. It's what I call the anti-authority voice tone, and uh, I'll occasionally refer to it as the vocal equivalent of hair twirling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you can imagine some, some little, you know, teenage girl twirling her hair and looking around and saying, well, I want to do this, and then we're going to do this, and um, there was some of this. Right? It's <laughs> completely antithetical to the image of executive presence or authority or confidence or competence. And so what's important to do is to think about what are the key elements in whatever the phrases that you're saying, in your story, in your point, and make sure that when you're talking about it, as you can hear in, what I'm, in the way that I'm describing this now, is that the most important words are the ones that have the highest pitch because that's going to draw your ear to them and then allow your voice to fall at the end of your phrases when you're finished so that I hear that there's a period there. It's not just a list of commas, like a mental list mode of sorts, where it's I bought apples, comma, and bananas, comma, and pears, comma, and milk, period. You can hear how the voice drops down at the end of the list. When you do that constant upspeak again and again, it's like you're in mental stream of consciousness tangenting mode. You don't even know what your own point is, so you can't even get to it. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. And I guess from an evolutionary standpoint in the business world, I noticed this came into being about the time of what we now know as the virtual world. Hmm. So my daughter, who is now 31, started that speech pattern 
when she was 15. Yep. And I actually specifically addressed that speech pattern because I wanted her to be successful. Yep. Of course, she doesn't do that anymore. But 15, 16 years of this, we've got whole generations of people who've never heard how people really should be speaking yep. with a definite end to their sentence. And it does make it very painful for people to listen. Relly, have you had that experience with oh, any yeah. of your kids? Uh or coworkers, for that yeah. matter. I think with my daughter, who's now 16, she can she has a little bit of that high pitch, and then keeps going. So you can't even get a word in edgewise. Um, but you know, <laughs> that's a whole different story. <laughs> what I'm trying to make the connection between is the evolution of the use of social media mm-hmm. and the virtual world, and that that constant conversation. And a very interesting little data point: share is a you know, the singer Cher, is a very avid tweeter. And she tweets almost 24 hours a day, and people have been accusing her of not sleeping. Um, So who knows? I mean, people accuse her of not doing her own tweets, but when she's been interviewed on television, she specifically addresses the tweets so she knows what's in them. And for her, if you've ever heard Cher's speech pattern, very succinct, very discreet mm-hmm. chunks of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so for me, what I look at are the, the kinds of role models that I grew up with mm. in the industry. And luckily for us, we had, you know, it wasn't just the orators like Oprah, but we had, we had symbols, icons in other industries like Cher, who, who also are very capable speakers. It seems to me like in the last 15 years, this is also perpetuated by songs and by the virtual social media of allowing people a constant stream of communication. You can Facebook, you can tweet, you can text 24 by 7. So is there really an end to the conversation? And does that, in fact, underlie the neuroscience of why people might be speaking this way? Just a supposition on my part. Well, and then I think the other piece, and then, Laura, get your comment. We don't have the visual cues, and we've talked about this, you know, over and over. Kathy just went around the lack of some of the emotional intelligence cues. If everything's on the phone, you don't see that the person's not listening. You don't see that they were frowning. You don't see that their eyes have glassed over. You miss all those cues, so therefore those are all missed opportunities to improve your communication and to refine it. So, Laura, any, any kind of thoughts on, on the lack of visuals and, and some of the cultural stuff that Kathy's saying? Um, I, I think they're all really interesting hypotheses and certainly worth exploring further. You know, some of the, the other pieces that could also be contributing are things like we are trying to – there's a constant message to become more, uh, more tolerant, more accepting, less judgmental, less – assertive with our own beliefs uh, on other people. And so in some ways, that constant upswing in the voice, mm. and I think in, in some ways me trying to, me hypothetically or the speaker, trying to gently suggest something rather right. than perhaps imposing it. Yeah. Okay. You know, where they are actually looking for, uh, for affirmation from their audience. And I think also the fact, like you mentioned, since everyone now has access to a global audience, we hear as many, quote-unquote, poor models of speech as we hear good models, and possibly more, for that matter. Whereas before, it was only the professionals who had the microphone 
in, in mass media, et cetera. And so they were very carefully weeded out, and only the best were selected who met the image that the stations wanted to convey. And so they were the models that everyone aspired mm. to. Now anybody who's got a computer or a smartphone can have a world access. So there is no model anymore. We're hearing just as many you know, untrained people as trained. That's a great point. Well, so I know we have to go to our, our last break here, and then we'll come back and we'll zero in on, on some of the other tips that you, that you have, Laura. This is Leadership Development News, and we'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform dr relly nadler and leaders playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint by the numbers process Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better? What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, Books and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a delightful conversation with Dr. Laura Sokola, and we're talking about vocal executive presence and how important that is for declaring your leadership presence. Now, Laura, before we went to break, we were talking about tips, and you are one of those fascinating individuals who can take the most mundane conversations that we're having and making them into for me, such an exciting experience. So let's kind of go back to, you know, what can, what can business leaders really um, say perhaps internally to themselves as they're preparing themselves for a conversation to demonstrate their presence more effectively? And, um, and, and, and can you give us some examples of things that you've learned over the years that help make people more effective? Sure, absolutely. And, and this really does go back to the emotional intelligence issue. You know, when, whenever you're going to address an audience, and when I say audience or public speaking of any sort, I really mean anytime you just need to be compelling and persuasive in any audience, whether it's a thousand people or a single person sitting in front of you, your presence matters, right? That's, that's still public speaking. So we need to not compartmentalize into only certain types of venues. Um, and so when you're 
preparing to address that audience, it's important to me to be mindful of three things. Uh, number one, what is the bottom line message that you need them to hear, understand, and accept? Right, so that's number one. What's your message? As we mentioned before with the, the up-speak piece, it's like you're free associating. You don't even know what your own point is before you're sort of done thinking aloud and trying to put the pieces together. You need to know in advance. And so once you have chosen your point, your key message, then you need to think about what qualities they need to hear in you in order to be open to hearing that message. Do they need to hear that you are serious, that you are competent, that you are compassionate, that you are patient? You know, what is it about you that they need to hear in order to be open? Um, and then ultimately, how can you convey that vocally? And what can you do with your voice to adapt? I think once you put that into the package, you're going to make that connection with your audience members. You're going to achieve that credibility. You're going to be authentic to who you are while still being who they need to see that you are in order to open that channel of communication fully. Um, and that authenticity is a challenge because a lot of people are afraid, well, if I'm changing the way I speak to different people, does it mean that I'm being, you know, am I acting? And absolutely not. And we have what, what I like to refer to as a prismatic voice. Right. We're all multifaceted people. We, I'm having this conversation with you using a very different manner of speaking, a different register, a different voice tone than I use when I'm playing with my nephews who are, you know, three, five, seven years old. Mm -hmm. Very different. Neither one of them is the real me versus the fake me. It's just recognizing what's appropriate for the audience, right? And would, would you call that prismatic? Prismatic, because okay, our voices like have different colors, you know, yeah. just, our personalities have different facets, different features. So in the moment when you're, the light comes through, what colors do you need to have shine most brightly in that moment? What does your audience need to see, need to hear? That's great. You know, I know I've heard this feedback from my family that they know when I'm talking with my friends. I know when my wife is talking with her family, and it is it all of a sudden we access a different side of us. And, yes. you know, and people, you know, close to you really can hear the difference. And then they also know when I kind of go into kind of more presentation mode, a little bit like now, yes. that all of a sudden my speech is different. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. My graduate students know when I'm, when I'm in solid lecture mode versus when I'm in storytelling mode versus when we're just having a conversation offline. Yeah, yeah. So say a little bit more, because you mentioned storytelling. One of the things that we, we know as a good leader, you know, is, is the importance of uh, engagement. And a uh, powerful tool is what a lot of times I talk about is, is uh, storytelling or, or ways to develop engagement. So what would be some other kind of external tips? Um, well, with regard to storytelling specifically? Yeah, well, and just in general, yeah, storytelling might be one of many. Uh, sure. Well, storytelling on the whole is really the ability to um, – storytelling is to speaking as pictures and other visual aids are to a PowerPoint presentation, right? Both illustrate a point. A picture is worth a, th a thousand words, and without visuals on a PowerPoint, it's just sort of death by PowerPoint, bullet after bullet after text. Uh, so when you're speaking, when you're explaining a concept, storytelling is really the art of picking an example that will resonate with your audience and that will illustrate your point so that you don't have to explain every single detail. Um, and at that point, the simplicity of the story should engage the listener um, and entertain them a little bit 
while not in necessarily the funny sense, but in a way that really captures their attention um, on a very genuine level. You've made that connection again to have them perceive the broader picture of what you're talking about. Um, I mean, all the best orators and the best, um, whether they're business speakers or politicians, storytelling is an inherent part of that craft. Um, but, as, you know, as far as other tips you can do, for example, one of the, the most fundamental uh, tips that I give or, or skills that I teach is how to say your name. I find most people just say their own names wrong. And when I say wrong, you know, what I mean is in a way that is not processable by the listener. Whether you're in a networking event, answering a telephone, whatever it is, most people blur through their names so that even if the person is listening, they can't actually catch where your first name ends and your last name begins, especially if you've got a third name in the middle. Um, if it's not an English name or it's English but it's not intuitive, maybe it's kind of a unique name, et cetera. And even if it's simple, like Bob Jones, people often say, I'm sorry, what? Just because of the way you've articulated it. And so the secret to making a strong, clear first impression in that name is following this pattern. When you say your name, you want to make sure that your first name goes up with a rising intonation, and then you want to have a little tiny break after it before you say your second name. And on your last name, it'll come down, like with that vocal period at the end. So I would introduce myself and say, I'm Laura Sicola. Up, break, down. And that way there's those sound parameters letting you know where one name ends and the next begins, and you also know I'm not done. Now I'm done. Can you hear the, the pattern? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to try it. I was going to say, can you want to give it a shot? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. Right. We have just two minutes left, so I okay. just want to make sure that we get everybody your um, website again. Sure. Um, so, Laura, could you just say that while I prepare? Uh, absolutely. It's www.vocalimpactproductions.com. So, let's see. So, I wouldn't say Kathy Greenberg. Right. I would say Kathy. Greenberg. Greenberg. Yes. Kathy Greenberg. Yes. Yay. <laughs> I can say my name. Exactly. <laughs> you want to try it there, Relly? Yeah. Relly Nadler. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't have to put as much of a break in between, you know, but as you get comfortable with that pattern, it'll yeah. flow a little bit more smoothly. But you'd be amazed the difference it makes. I did this, this strategy with a group of people a couple of weeks ago. Then about two days later, uh, downtown, I bumped into one of the participants on a, at an intersection. She was on the phone, but she covered the phone real quick and said to me, Laura, I just got to tell you, I've been practicing saying my name the way you taught us, and it changed my life. And then she covered the phone and ran away again. And I thought, wait, wait, how did it change your life? Tell me how it changed your life. <laughs> well, you certainly have changed our lives today, and I am so grateful that you took time from your busy schedule to come spend it with Relly and I here today on Leadership Development News. You have been terrific. And just to make sure our audience um, does know how to reach you again, Absolutely. just your website one more time. Sure. The website is www.vocalimpactproductions.com. Thanks, Laura. Thank you so much, both of you. This has been a great experience, a lot of fun. Thanks, Laura. Appreciate it. So you've been listening to Leadership Development News, and tune in to tune up your performance again next week. 
You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.